The Mentor Minute today has to do with the subject of Kobe Bryant. Uh, many of you uh, were certainly shocked when you heard this great athlete uh, being killed in a helicopter crash. Just The point is, is that life is a vapor. Very short. He was worth $600 million. Seemed like a great family man, a great guy. But uh, at the same time, I think people also forget uh, uh, that 25,000 children died of starvation that very same day all around the world. Uh, every, every soul is important, every single soul, his, his family's, other people. So, and it gets people's attention, and it's something that sometimes opens doors to talk about the things of the Lord. So um, that's just, it's just the thought that life is a vapor, and we need to just rejoice in the fact that we are in the kingdom, and uh, that's, our, that's our hope. We're in Matthew chapter 13. Before we do, let me give you a brief overview. We've had four messages now on the cost of not following Jesus, dealing with the kingdom, living in the kingdom, and the joy of living in the kingdom. It's a place to live. It's a place to rejoice. So the first week, we talked about the cost of not following Jesus. Then the next week, we looked at the subject matter of the two different kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, leaving the kingdom of darkness through the gospel into the kingdom of light. Then we talked about carrying the kingdom wherever we go. And then last week, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus, in, in kingdom life, how everything is upside down, it's reversed. And Jesus has a way of telling stories or asking questions that penetrate hearts in the reality of what's really taking place. You have heard that it's been said, not to commit adultery, but I say unto you, if a man even looks upon a woman, he's committed adultery in his heart. And so Jesus has an ability to never answer questions, he answers hearts, as I mentioned last week, and we looked at what upside-down living looks like. Now today, we're going to take a look at some parables called the kingdom parables. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns, as we talked about in the very, very first week. The parables we're going to look at are simple parables. They're not complex. Some parables are lengthier than others. Some parables are harder to understand. These are pretty simple, pretty direct. But let me just define what we're talking about. We're talking about a parable. Para, like a, like a parallelogram or a parallel bars. It comes alongside of. A parable is a short story that comes alongside of a particular truth to enhance that truth, to drive that truth home. For example, the parable of the publican and the Pharisee in, in Luke 12, where Jesus says, he says, he gave this parable to certain who trusted in themselves. That's a fairly short parable. Uh, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Pharisee's a really good guy, keeps the law, does all the things that are right. The tax collector is the scum of society. The Pharisee says to himself, I'm not like other men are. I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a murderer, I, I, I don't do this, I don't do that, but here's what I do. I give tithes of all that I possess, I go to the temple every week, I'm just a great guy, all right? And then the tax collector, who's the very bottom of society, can't even look to heaven, smites his breast and says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, that man went home justified. That man went home forgiven. That man went home declared righteous rather than the other. Because those that exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Real short little parable. Doesn't even take a minute to read, but you sure get the point. It goes after self-righteousness. So it's, it's dealing with a particular truth and telling a simple story that those that are around listening to that story go, ooh, I think I get it. 
We said last week, sometimes people walk away scratching their heads with some of the things that Jesus says. So it's very important to understand that some of the parables that Jesus teaches have a serious point, but as one scholar put it, and this is really important that we understand the landscape of where we are right now, he said the kingdom is already, but not yet. It's here. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here, but not the fullness of the kingdom, not the final consummation of the kingdom. And in between his first coming and his second coming, the kingdom is here, but there's still trouble and evil and all kinds of things in the world until he comes later and sets up the final authority of the kingdom. And so Jesus, in some of these parables we're going to look at, is dealing with, wait a minute, time out, patience, don't be assuming something that I've never said or has never been told in Scripture. So with that in mind, I'm going to read a little statement real quickly in the Gospel of Luke, and then I'll turn and read the, the subject matter in Matthew. Listen carefully to what it says. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will no longer see one of the days of the Son, when you long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, There he is, or he is here. Do not go running after him. For the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from heaven. So he's talking about, wait a minute, there's still something that has to happen. He says, I must go through this struggle and be rejected by this generation. So he's separating the two comings. Now, I'm going to read these parables to you. They're very, very short, but listen carefully to what it says. These are the parables of the of the weeds and the tares. Then we're going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven and the lump. Starting in verse 24 of Matthew 13. Here's what you read. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? Listen to his answer. No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat within. Let both uh, grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, First, Collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them to my barn. Now he tells two real short little parables. Listen to what he says. He then told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Second one, verse 33, he then told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in a large amount of flour until it worked its way through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. 
I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And now, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to these parables and teach us great and mighty things that we've never known or understood before. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the setting. Pharisees, other Jewish people, had certainly known the Old Testament, and they knew that a king was coming. They knew a reigning sovereign was coming. They knew a victorious person was coming. The Messiah was on his way. But see, the scriptures do talk about that, but they also talk about a suffering servant. And if you get the two mixed up, you won't know what's going on. And they think that now that Jesus has come, hey, he's here. He's going to wipe out the Romans that have oppressed us all these years. He'll get rid of all the evil. And then Jesus says, oh, 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 time out. I first have to die. Let me tell you some parables here. And these parables are to let you understand that the fullness of the kingdom is not here yet. The kingdom is here. You're in the kingdom, but the fullness is not here yet. All right? So don't be imagining something that fits in another time. I want you to be patient. And then he tells these parables. And through those parables, he's explaining what this kingdom is going to look like in the way that it grows. The kingdom is here, but there's still many bad things that are going on within this whole kingdom, in this realm. It's like the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light are sort of meshed together. And in fact, they are, but they're separate. They're very, very different. So then the, the workers in the field say, well, shall we, uh, shall we go and pull up, up the, uh, the weeds? And he says, no, 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 don't, don't do that. He's, he said, if you pull up the weeds, you're likely to pull up the wheat with the weeds. And then he goes on and he explains this a little bit later on. He says that the Son of Man is the one that is sowing the seed, and, and the people in the kingdom are the ones that are being sowed. And he says the enemy, the devil, is the one that is sowing the, 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 uh, the, 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 the people of, the, of, the, of this dark kingdom. But he says, don't worry about pulling them up. The angels will do that at the end of the age. They're the ones. Now, this is important. This is very important when it comes to kingdom living. Because if we think that the church's job is to be a weed whacker and just go around slaughtering all the bad stuff in the world, it just grows up faster. He says, no, no. You're not a weed whacker. You're not a weed eater. You're a seed sower. Sow the seed. Don't worry about all the evil. Now, you know full well, week in and week out, I've often talked about the world, the dangers of the world, the difficulties of the world, and so on. But our job is not to pull up all the evil in the world. It just doesn't work very well. As a matter of fact, the more we fight and argue, that actually becomes fertilizer for the weeds because people just fight back harder and harder. No. These parables, if you'll note, the way they're told, they're simple, and, and each, each one carries with the idea of something that is, that is just coming in very, very slowly and softly. No fanfare. Each of the parables, there's a sowing of a, of a mustard seed. It's a little tiny seed. And you can't, you can't watch it grow, but eventually it becomes this fairly large tree in which the birds come and settle. Now here's something about parables. 
don't read into a parable any more than is there. I mean, you can't imagine. Let's see, the birds in that time, they were this, and the birds represent... No, no, they're birds. They're just birds coming into a tree to get shade and rest and build their nest. That's all it is. That's all he wants you to understand, all right? The point is, is that this very little, insignificant, tiny seed grows up this way. And he tells this very short story about that. He says, you can't even observe the kingdom. That's why I read chapter 17. You, you think, here it is, there it is. It's just here. It, there, there's no fanfare with it. There's no big show. You go back to the life of Jesus. Where is he born? He's born in Bethlehem, in a manger. No fanfare. Where does he move to? Nazareth. Nazareth was a podunk town if there's ever been one. Who does he grab to lead the way, to lead the charge, to advance the kingdom, to preach the gospel of the world? Some fishermen, a tax collector, just some regular people. No big power brokers. Isn't that strange? It, it's exactly the reverse of how we would do almost anything when it comes to building a business or what have you. And certainly those things are necessary to some degree. But in kingdom work, everything is upside down. Everything is, is different. And here's a ragtag group of people that go out and they start preaching the kingdom. They start sowing the seed. And then we read this. Look at this. He told them that parable. And then we also read another parable in verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked its way through the dough. The idea, the mixing there, the actual Greek word, means hidden. This, this, this leaven, this yeast, is hidden. You can't see it. You can't hear it. It's just there. Now, if you've ever baked bread before, you, you just can't wait for that thing to rise, and you better hope it does if you've not done it properly. But if you stand there and just look at it, just not much happens. You go away for two or three hours, and you come back, and that little bit in your bowl is now sometimes overflowing. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. And he's telling these parables, and it's, he's always just trying to get people to calm down, be patient. The kingdom's at work, even if you can't observe it. Even if you can't actually see it. Even if you can't, can't feel it, it's at work. You're not out there trying to tell the world all the things are doing wrong and ripping up all the evil that's in the world. You are there to simply sow seed in the midst of all that. And that will take care of it. That doesn't mean you can't be on a school board to represent your particular moral views. That doesn't mean you can't vote or write your congressman or senator. You can do all those things, but just make sure that we're salt and light in the process of doing it. Let's make sure we're not loud. Let's make sure that that we are representing a true kingdom. And I'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on. But all Jesus is pointing out here is this is, this is going to happen. He's in charge. All we need to do is be faithful for what he's called us to. Be patient. Interestingly enough, earlier, a couple weeks back, we talked about the subject matter of salt and light. You are the salt and light of this world. Let your light so shine among men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here again, a couple of illustrations. Salt, light. Now, if you lived at that time, you'd have probably even a greater understanding of some of these things, but salt is a preservative for meat. It keeps meat from decaying. 
What's his point? You live in a world that is decaying. We're watching it. We, that we can see, we can observe. He said, you are to be the salt to slow down the decay. All right? Then when he says, you're the light of the world, what's the implication? That there is darkness. Salt and light don't make any noise. There's no fanfare. They're just there. So that the whole study of the kingdom is that everything seems to be very, very different than we would expect it to be. We would expect this big platform and, and, and the, the power brokers and so on. That's not how it's working. And ever since the mustard seed was planted, and ever since many mustard seeds have been planted, and the yeast has been put into the dough, the kingdom has spread all throughout the world. It is probably the most unexplainable event, if you want to use the word, word religious uh, entity, that there's ever been. Because all other religions are based strictly on the power brokers and the teachings of that individual. Jesus' kingdom is based on who he is, not necessarily his teachings, who he is and who we are in that kingdom and the power of how that kingdom works without lots of noise, without huge platforms. And sometimes we think if we don't have a big platform, we're not important. And his whole point is, oh no, you just, you just need to be the salt, the light, you need to be the seed, you need to sow the seed and let God take care of what's going to happen. Now, when we come together, this is the kingdom, for those of you that are in the kingdom, most of you I'm sure are. When we come together, we gather collectively as kingdom believers. And we do it for a number of reasons. We come together to see people we haven't seen in a week or two weeks or whatever. We come together to hear prayers. We come together to worship and song. We come together to learn from the scriptures. We come together to hear announcements. We come together to experience baptism or communion. That's, that's the kingdom gathered. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's a command. It's a, we're called on the first day of the week as you come together. This is an important time. But it's the kingdom scattered is when the work really takes place. That's when it happens. It's when it is scattered. When you and I go into our different places of work, our neighborhoods all out, that's when things take place. I can remember, and you've heard me tell the story, but I can remember when I was at work at the, at the, um, at the country club, <coughs> Reston Country Club many, many years ago, every single day I would invite somebody in the club to have lunch with. I would have to have lunch with a lifeguard or one of the chefs if he wasn't cooking at that particular moment or waiter or something, but I would, I would sit and I would just have lunch with him. And after I was, while we discussed, I would just slowly try to find out a little bit about their life, what was going on, how they were doing. And if it, if it eased itself into a spiritual discussion, they might say something like, oh, that's interesting, oh, where do you go to church? And then just start feeding in. And over time, I was able to give the gospel. And I had a heart-wrenching experience just a few weeks ago. A young lady was in our church that I, I did their wedding, she and her husband's wedding, 34 years ago, or 35 years ago. And they were here to celebrate. And... Uh, she told me that her sister, uh, Malia, had died of cancer. And I had the privilege of leading Malia to the Lord many, many years ago. Many, many years ago back at the club. Uh, just talking. And, let, and then what started happening was, once people started coming to the Lord, 
the kingdom started spreading through the club. And then I got in trouble. The president of the club, who was also the head of the bank, in Reston Bank, Town and Country Bank, called me to his office one day. And I came in and he says, the country club, Mike, is not a church. You have work to do. And I said, I, guilty. You know, because he said, we can't be passing out literature. You know, but, but I was free to talk to people on my own time, like at lunch or before or whatever. And those people started telling other people. And we almost put a cross up over the club, but we didn't. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> but the, the point being is that, and I told this to our shepherd group the other night, there is more that takes place in kingdom life over a cup of coffee or a meal with a believer or an unbeliever than actually takes place listening to the word going forward. Is this important? This is very important. This is a little bit of the pep rally to send us out. But it's when you are with people that maybe think the way you do or don't think the way you do. When you go through scripture and you see the number of meals that are mentioned in the Bible, almost every time a meal is mentioned in scripture, something amazing happens at that meal. The very first meal, something amazing happened when they took of the fruit. That was a meal. There's a Passover meal. And Jesus had meals with his disciples. He talked about so many of these things regarding the kingdom during meals. This is when we're, when we're scattered, when we get with people at the office, in the playground, whatever it happens to be, we start meeting with people and things begin to happen. All these meals in Scripture are set in certain places to remind us of the importance of sitting across the table with somebody and talking about life. Now, I'll tell you an interesting story um, that I just heard recently. I knew some of the story. I didn't know all of it. For those of you that are going through uh, the Bible project, read the Bible in a year, I know we're in a difficult place. I know <laughs> you've hung all the curtains and everything in Exodus. Now you're looking at all the blood sacrifice. Hang in there. Hang in there. All right. Okay. Well, the guy who does all the graphics, a guy named John Collins, he runs that part of the Bible project. And the guy who's the scholar is Tim Mackey. Many of you know I'm a big fan of, of Tim Mackey. And uh, when I started listening to them a few years ago, I was intrigued at Mackey's story. But recently, I heard him tell this story. Now, just think. This, this is the leaven. This is the salt. This is the light. This is the seed. This is the, the, the mustard seed. All wrapped up. Here's Tim uh, doing Terrible in school, didn't care about school, didn't have, all he wanted to do was skateboard and I think smoke pot. And he was living with his parents, he refused to go to church, didn't have anything to do with it. But he went to a church that had a, a skateboard ramp. It was called Skate Church. And you could go and you could skate for an hour, but if you wanted to skate the second hour, you had to listen to a 15 minute message on Jesus. <laughs> 16, 17, 18, 19. He's listened to many, many messages about Jesus. He's flunking out of school, out of high school. He's got his arms crossed in the back. He just can't wait to skate. And a guy, and it's not this Mike, I wish it was, another guy named Mike said, Tim, let me buy you a burger this week. I want to talk to you. And met him at a, at a Burger King in Portland, Oregon when Tim was 19 years old. And he looked him in the face 
And he said, you know, I love you, I care for you, but it's time to get serious. Your life is going nowhere. You have no direction, no hope, nothing. It's time to follow Jesus. And Tim said, you're right. And now we have the Bible Project with over a hundred million downloads. A hundred million. That's kingdom living. That's what it means, kingdom living. Here's a guy that just pulls him aside, has no idea what's going to happen as a result of that little, that little charge to a guy's life. And, and he came alive. He entered the kingdom, and then he started spreading the kingdom. That, that's just a, an, an amazing thing. Now, I'll go back and tell you another brief story. I actually had to write these names down because I, I would have gotten lost in all this. The reason I tell you this is because when you read these parables, it's easy to just read them and forget things maybe in your own life, your own personal story or a Tim Mackey story or something. But 40, about 40 years ago, when the church was about five years old, um, I realize most of you don't remember this, but there was a time when we had things called cassettes, all right? <laughs> and when I would walk up to preach, I would hit play, record, and you had to get both of them. And I still have the first message that was ever preached, and you don't want to hear it, all right? <clears throat> any rate, so I'd hit play, record, and if you wanted a copy of the tape, there was a guy named Bob in our church that would say, okay, then he would go home, and he had to record each one of them one by one. There were 40-minute messages, one after another, one after another. That's the only way you could do it. Then we bought one of those tape machines that could spin around and run four copies off at a time. And now, of course, you just push a button and downloads everything all over the world, okay? So one day, there's a lady in our church named Joy. Some of you know who Joy was at that time. Joy was running our nursery. So she couldn't come to the church service, so Bob would give her a copy of the tape. So one day, Joy is home listening to the message, and she has a carpenter come to, his, come to her house doing some carpentry work. His name is Theron. So Theron comes, and some of you remember Theron. Theron comes, and he says to Joy, I think I believe that, what I'm listening to on that message. Could I meet with your pastor? So Joy sets up a meeting. I meet with Theron, and Theron says, I belong to a church where the pastor doesn't believe in the resurrection and almost anything else in the Bible, but I think I believe that I heard you preach on that tape. He said, would you mind if I started attending Reston Bible Church? I said, let me pray about it. Yes. And uh, so, <laughs> no, Corey, come on in. And uh, so he brings a bunch of other families with him. Now listen to this. I had to write this down. So here's Bob running these off. Theron comes, and Theron becomes our second youth pastor before Bob. Then Joy is, is playing the tape. And her husband, Thane, becomes an elder. Wallace and Linda Mitchell come. Their marriage is falling apart. Wallace is now pastor of Broadlands Community Church. Because their marriage came back together, Linda ended up coming to know the Lord. Wallace became an elder. Then Dwayne and Jackie Dara came. Dwayne became an elder. Jackie was very involved. Then Lloyd and Betty Duck came. Lloyd used to play the organ many, many years ago. He became an elder. And both he and his wife came to know the Lord by listening to the preaching of the gospel. Then Tim and Sandy McManacle came. Tim was very involved in missions, then became the missions chair. 
at uh, a big Bible church out in Winchester. He's since moved. His son, Scott, ended up going to Thailand as a missionary. His son, Scott, uh, one and his wife reached an entire tribal group of people who reached other tribes, and they're now having their own mission conferences. And they brought those people back one day to stand up here and thank the church for sending Scott. But it all started with a little mustard seed tape. And somebody willing to run those tapes off and somebody willing to listen to them and then somebody overhears it and then tells somebody, tells somebody, somebody. And that isn't the end of it. Because those people are still spreading the gospel. And they're spreading the gospel to other people that are spreading the gospel. And so we often think, well, I don't have a big platform. I don't have a big... No. <laughs> God didn't use my platform. He used the platform of somebody just running the tape off. And the platform of somebody just listening to it. And the platform of somebody that overheard it and brought their other friends. Everybody has a platform in the kingdom of God. Everybody. All of us. And we've got to get, a, get away from the mentality there's only certain types of important people. Jesus says, you know, you can't even observe this. He says, it's like a woman putting this, this yeast in. It's like a seed being sown, a mustard seed. You, should, you don't know what's going to happen. And don't try to pull up all the weeds. I'll take care of that at the end. You just advance the kingdom. That's, all you're, that's what you're up to. So here's some practical things. See yourself as in the kingdom. Don't see yourself as just in church. See yourself as in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. I'm a believer. I'm in the kingdom of light. See yourself as a valued member of the kingdom, a card-carrying member of the kingdom. And don't think of yourself as, well, I don't really have any important role. Oh, please. A little cassette tape that has now reached people all over the world? By just one person being faithful here and the advancement of the kingdom, the light goes forward, all these different things. Learn to be observant as you go into your place of work, your neighborhood, your sorority, fraternity, football team. Be observant because you don't always know who's in and who's out. You don't know the weeds from the wheat. You can't always tell. You don't know. Somebody could be backsliding. You have no idea what's going on in people's lives. So you become observant. And you listen carefully. You listen. You don't argue. You don't bring in your arsenal and tell the world how bad it is and how, what they believe. You just listen. You're at the playground. And you're pushing your baby. And another woman comes into the playground. And you meet, you know, you see each other there three or four times a week. You have no idea where she stands on almost anything. And the more you start talking, and the more that you're observant and you're a listener and you care, the more she unloads about her life and the struggle with her husband or her kids or she just doesn't think she can take it any longer, their finances or whatever. And now the kingdom starts moving in. And you have openings and opportunities to share. It isn't a matter of coming in with your bag of tricks and all your apologetics and everything else. The kingdom does that. The gospel just does that. You just sow the seed and let things, let things unfold. Just be listening, listening, careful, carefully listening. You're not a weed whacker. You're a seed sower. You're not there to tell that woman why she's wrong with what she believes about this morality and this moral or that. Or, that's not why you're there. You're there to listen. And as you start pulling that thread and she knows you care, she'll share more. She'll drop off a little bit more. And a little bit more. Then there'll be the opportunity for you to come in and say, can I, can I talk to you? Can we grab 
lunch together, coffee on a Saturday morning. And let me just tell you my story. And then you work through your story. And when that person sees your life and your care, it is amazing what God can do. All the resistances and everything else start to break down. They just start to break down. Right now, uh, we are living in a world that looks like it's eating our lunch. It isn't hard to look around and see that things are closing in all different areas. And so your tagline is simply this today. If the world is going to eat our lunch, let's make sure they taste the honey of the gospel as they swallow. They are aware that they're pretty much taking over in some other, many other areas. But if they are around you long enough and they taste the honey of the gospel, things begin to happen. Things begin to happen. Things begin to change. And that's why what God has called us. He's called us to kingdom living. Kingdom living. And I'll finish with this. In Jesus, and we read it, I think, the week before or last, whenever, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, at the end, it says, and they were amazed because Jesus spoke with authority and not like the scribes, not like the, not like the, 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 the Pharisees, not like the religious leaders, or the teachers of the law. He spoke with authority. What is speaking with authority? Is speaking with authority having all the facts you can put somebody else down? Speaking with authority is speaking with wisdom coupled with love. And People can detect that. They know the difference between just a lot of information and wisdom. And you gain wisdom as you spend time in the Word, as iron sharpens iron around other Christians, and the kingdom goes forward. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of what you're going to say. I'll give you the words, he tells us in Mark. See, we're just so afraid sometimes about what we think is going to happen if we open up a conversation. We start pulling the thread. You don't have any idea. He says, you can't, you can't see the kingdom. Is it here? Is it there? It's here. You just can't feel it. You can't see it. You don't know what's happening. You just sow the seed. There's the leaven. Salt and light. It's quiet. Can't observe it. But the power behind it is absolutely amazing. And so, as we wrap up this series on kingdom living and the cost of not following Jesus, and I think of, of the power of this gospel going out and the number of you that have had your lives changed because of somebody that lived the kingdom in front of you, I can't help but be, always be concerned of the number of people that come week after week and it still hasn't clicked. Something hasn't set in yet. So I, as, I, as I always say at the end, I just want to give you the opportunity to step into the kingdom. The opportunity that Mike had to meet with Tim Mackey and say, time to stop fooling around. It's time to become a follower of Jesus. It's time to believe the gospel. Today is the day of the good news. Today is the day of salvation. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, you're in the kingdom of darkness. And as soon as you trust Jesus and believe that he died and rose again the third day for you and paid the penalty for your sin, you enter the kingdom. And then life really begins. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of looking into your word, seeing what you have to say about kingdom living. And I pray that not one person would leave here today without putting their total faith, confidence, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their only hope. And Lord, let us leave here today realizing we're as powerful as Billy Graham. We're as great as anybody in the kingdom. 
Because we have the seed, we have the power of the word, we've got all that is before us. You've called us simply to different things. So let us leave with great confidence and great joy as we go into this world of darkness as we're salt and light. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.